Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. When people act like it can't happen, it's unacceptable when it happens, but it can happen. They overshit. There are things that I know about Jada Pinkett Smith that I shouldn't know. You might as well just shut North Carolina down. The whole state, they could not make shots. But their defense was so good that they had an opportunity to win that game. Kansas, I think, is going to win it all. This is by far the most crucial UNC Duke game that's ever taken place. They have what it takes. You know, they have the talent, they have a great coach, have a great program. If we don't recognize things about our history, who will? We changed the culture of everything. And I told them, I said, we're going to win the Ohio Valley Conference this year. And he said, hey, man, you ain't over your head. That's a grown woman. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three. Two, one, and once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh! Mama, there goes that man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined us for yet another edition of the show. And I'll tell you what, shout out to all the folks who are listening for the very first time. We certainly appreciate that and welcome you aboard. We'll tell you more about how to become more interactive. Also, shout out to all of the folks who listen to each and every episode, who commented, who called the sports line, who participated in some shape, form, or fashion. Shout out to you. And finally, shout out to all of the people who know that Rakim is the greatest rapper of all time. Hey, don't at me. Well, with that, again, welcome to the show. And this is a fun one. We are doing some fun stuff as we explore the SWAC and spring football. So we'll talk with Coach Clarence McKinney of the Texas Southern Tigers. We'll talk some Tiger football. In addition to that, we'll hear from our guy from the special teams unit, King T, Terrence Harris. We'll hear from him. We have a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. And, of course, we'll hear from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, all that and a whole lot more but first let me tell you how you can be interactive with the show and we encourage that and we need that i need that you know that's currency i need to hear from you guys and know that you're interactive and participating so with that call us sometimes on the sports line 832-941-6614 that's 832-941-6614 we set the line up 24 hours a day for any questions comments suggestions requests any of those things and you might end up on the very next podcast. So, again, 832-941-6614. So, you'll hear that number again throughout. So, look for it. In addition to that, we also have the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook and the fan page. I post there all the time. Also, a lot of folks post about their favorite teams, about things that's happening in the world of sports, things that you should be aware of, things that you might find interesting, and a way to interact with one another. There's some great debates that take place on the group page. So again, on sports, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook, and you can like the fan page and get any updates we have there. Also on Twitter at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. All of those ways are ways you can reach out. And you can email me, actually, Devin at Wade'sWordProductions.com. Devin at Wade'sWordProductions.com. So you know that. You know who we have coming up. So it's time to get into some... Headlines! 
in headlines, there are so many things going on. It's opening day in baseball. Yes, opening day. And I want to get into that a little bit in just a minute. Also, want to do a little bit of postmortem on the NCAA tournament and wrapping up that and what happened Monday night in the NCAA championship and also the women's championship Sunday night. But I want to start with a guy who I'm so happy to say is going to ruin my weekend plans. Whatever I had planned for the weekend, it's going to be moved around, shuffled, worked around. I'm talking about Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods made an improbable comeback to play in the Masters 14 months after almost losing his leg, almost losing his life. It was a horrific accident, and this guy could have gotten killed. And I thought at the time, honestly, I said, yeah, he owes us nothing. He is an icon for so many reasons, and we can get into some of those things. But he didn't owe us anything else. If he never wanted to play golf again, and I didn't anticipate that he would, but he's come back. That inner fire has been stoked or whatever. And up until this week, I didn't even give it a thought. I didn't think that he would be back. And I have to say, Tiger has such an impact on me in golf that I won't watch it if he's not playing. Not really. I'll peek in on some of the majors sometimes. I know Bruce Kepka and I know Jordan Spieth and Morikawa and so many of those guys. Dustin Johnson. I know there's some great, great golfers out there. None of them capture my imagination. So it's always been about Tiger. Tiger is one of those people in their sport that moves the needle. And he probably moves the needle further than any single player. I mean, think about this. We all make sure we're around on television, a lot of us, a lot more than just the the avid tennis fan is watching when we know Serena is in the semifinals or the finals of a women's tournament. We all know that when Ali was fighting or Floyd or Sugar Ray, you made it a, a deal to watch. You may not watch any other fight that year, but you're going to watch Floyd or Pacquiao. I mean, Floyd is a guy that moved the needle the most in this era in boxing. We can debate about what that means, and it doesn't do anything for his stature in the sport of boxing. But let me get off of that. When Tiger plays, and I took up golf a little bit before Tiger really took off in the late 90s, right? I had just started to play. And then the sport of golf exploded. And through that whole deal, he has been a huge sports icon. He's an icon to other sports icons. I mean, think about all the your basketball players, Jordan and Barkley and all the guys that just love Tiger Woods. Let me tell you a story about this. When Tiger won his first Masters in 97, the Rockets were playing a game, and it may have been, if it wasn't the first round of the playoffs, it was the end of the regular season, and I was covering that for a newspaper, and in the locker room after the game, you give them a cool-off period, and then you go in and get your interviews with the guys. Well, Charles Barkley and a number of other guys didn't jump in the shower. They were still in the uniforms sitting there watching Tiger capture his very first Masters. So I watched Tiger cinch his first Masters in the Rockets locker room. And Barkley, I mean, I wasn't shoulder to shoulder with those guys, but, you know, there were a lot of us around, and they were watching the television in the Rockets locker room watching Tiger do his thing. So uh, that was in 97. But today... He shot a one-under. He had three birdies, two bogeys, and a bunch of par saves that were huge. 
But the shot, the birdie on 16 was tremendous. He's doing his thing. And he may not win this thing, but for him to come back, it has to be the greatest comeback ever, man. I, I, I'm trying to think about it. You know, Ben Hogan back in the day had a uh, accident, uh, an awful accident, a uh, car accident, and his back was screwed up. And he came back and won six of his nine majors after that. But he was 36 years old. Tiger's 46. Tiger has had four back surgeries. Tiger has been through it. A lot of personal drama, of course, we know about that kind of stuff. The divorce and just all the things we know about his life. He's been through it. 46 years old. Didn't look like he was going to catch Jack Nicholas, And he still may not. But for a large portion of Nicholas's career, the Golden Bear, (laughs) he didn't have to face a guy like Tiger. If Tiger would have been born back then, he wouldn't have been allowed to compete (laughs) <laughs> in a lot of those major events. So, I mean, I'm, that's not to diminish Jack Nicholas's greatness. It's just to say that it was a different era. Tiger has the whole world to compete with. And you have guys from all over at every major. So he has to bring it, and he's done it. So to me, he's the greatest of all time. And no matter what happens for the rest of the week, honestly, I think he's going to make the cut. He may, we'll have to see how he does physically. He almost lost his leg. He has a noticeable limp, no telling how much pain he's in. He's had some problems with some opioids or, you know, some pain medicine. He's been through a lot, man. But for this guy to be where he is, it's the greatest comeback in sports history just to get back after 14 months. Tell me what you think of that, 832-941-6614. I want to talk about the national championship in basketball. First of all, shout out to Don Staley. And we do not celebrate her enough. I mean, what a tremendous job to go down to South Carolina and make that the dominant program. Now, we've seen other programs in women's basketball jump up and do some things. And all along, Gino Oriema and Connecticut have been there. They've been there every year for years. The numbers, the superlatives, about that program are, you know, it's just a ton of them, a ton of superlatives about the Connecticut Huskies basketball program. But Baylor jumped up for a couple of years, and you'll have Notre Dame jumped up, Stanford, uh, and now it's South Carolina. And we need to show Don Staley a lot of love because she is a remarkable coach. She's getting it done, and that team isn't going anywhere. So congratulations to South Carolina, to Don Staley, and that team for winning the Women's National Championship on the men's side. Had a lot of fun with that one because, you know, my boy Haywood Jeffries, a North Carolina native, he went to NC State, but they all love Tar Heel basketball. I mean, it's it's like something that if you're not in North Carolina, you don't quite understand unless you live in like Indiana or Kentucky or maybe Kansas. <laughs> but even I think it's even worse in Carolina because it's so much competition in such a small area when it comes to basketball. It is a basketball state for sure. And uh, for them to get out to a 15-point lead at the half and lose it, I mean, again, I didn't have a dog in the fight. I have my friend Amy from Kansas. I've been to Kansas. I know a little bit about Kansas. Been to North Carolina. Know a lot about North Carolina. So I mean, but I don't. Have, I didn't have like went into it and thinking, oh man, I wish this team or that team won. I really didn't. I mean, it's cool to see Carolina win because it means so much to them, but it also means so much to the the Rock Chalk Jayhawk gang. So everybody you know has a passion to win. I mean, it was nothing but blue bloods in the Final Four, 
But I just thought that Carolina got into some defensive issues with, with Leaky Black uh, with the four fouls, and he was kind of taken out of it. And I thought that uh, Baycott, Armando Baycott wasn't 100%. That made a huge difference. That being said, Kansas had opportunities in the first half to be in that game and maybe even had a lead in that game in the first half. They kind of got just pushed around in the first half. They came out, and they kicked it up a notch. And Carolina couldn't handle the pressure, just like they couldn't handle the pressure against Baylor until overtime before they came back and won it in overtime. But that would have been a costly, costly loss to Hubert Davis in his first year. Congratulations to him anyway for getting there. That's a big, big deal for him to get to his first championship game in his first year of coaching. And I, I thought he did a tremendous job of what he had. Not a deep team, but when they needed to show up, they showed up because this was not a great Carolina basketball team. This was a great run they got on in the NCAA tournament. I thought that, man, you talk about Remy Martin and that he almost that Jamal Wilkes kind of really, really unorthodox shooting stroke. And every time I saw him, I'm like, man, why why did this dude shoot this? Oh, he made it. And he made it again. He, he shoots off to the side. He was a big difference. Braun was a big difference. McCormack was a big difference. I mean, this team was the better team. But to see Carolina lose it like that, I don't take any enjoyment in that. For all my Carolina folks, you hate to see that kind of loss. But I think that, hey, they beat Duke. They beat Coach K in his final game. They can live with that. They'll be all right with that, and they'll be back. Hubert Davis is a great coach. At least he displayed that in this tournament. I think he'll have them back, so not to worry about that. But also, it's opening day in baseball. Not really. They had a couple games yesterday. Baseball has really screwed up opening day. They have really screwed up opening day. Everybody's supposed to play opening day. Just that's, It's supposed to be that. Not, well, we're going to have a primetime game. Are they going to play in Japan? Are they going to play in Mexico City? No, man. Everybody needs to play on the first day. And it happens today for most of the, the Major League Baseball teams. So that's happening. A couple of them had weather delays. But the Astros. The Astros are going to be back in the thick of things. Obviously, you lose Carlos Correa. But you have some young talent coming up to sort of try to hold down the middle. You still have Altuve, Bregman, you have Brantley, you have Kyle Tucker, you got Jordan Alvarez. You have some talent on that team. They'll be right back in the thick of things. The pitching, you have Verlander. Man, if he can be Verlander, then the Astros are in great shape. Obviously, Granke is gone. Carlos Correa is gone. And you lose some folks in that bullpen, but you have your closing Presley. And you just have a nice starting rotation. So, Framba Valdez will get the ball tonight. So, I'm looking forward to that. So, I'm not going to make any bold predictions. But, again, I think the Astros at the end of the day are going to be right in this thing. And I'm super excited to watch some baseball. But I'm also excited about spring football. And what I wanted to do over the next three, four, five weeks – I am going to be talking to SWAC football coaches about their teams and about spring football. And I wanted to start at home with our guy, my guy, Clarence McKinney, the head coach of the Texas Southern Tigers. Of course, I talked to him more than any other coach, with probably the exception of Eddie, because Eddie Robinson of Alabama State, I mean, we weren't talking about SWAC football. He was a part of this very podcast for many years. Um, but Coach McKinney has always been gracious 
and wonderful to talk to and has always made himself available. We will take a time out, come back on the other side, have that conversation. We still have Terrence Harris coming up. We have the Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. And, of course, we have our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, all that and a whole lot more on this the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Welcome back. And a couple things I wanted to touch on uh, briefly. Of course, the NBA season is winding down, and LeBron James and the Lakers are not going to make it into the playoffs. Can you ever imagine a team with any of the greats, any of the great, any of the Mount Rushmore considerations in basketball? Can you imagine that team not going to the playoffs in the NBA? Not the NFL, not MLB, although both of those sports have expanded their playoff numbers and the number of teams that can participate in postseason competition. But Jordan. Kareem, I don't. I mean, I have, I would have to look back, but I cannot imagine. I cannot remember. Would Bill Russell ever miss the playoffs? I'm, I'm, I'm talking about in a season in which he was relatively healthy. No matter what happened to the rest of the team. Now again, I know that that has it makes a difference, but also LeBron is kind of the GM too. I hate to just hate on LeBron, but I think that's a very interesting story. And of course, we'll delve more into that as we uh, go on and get into the playoffs. And maybe we won't talk about them because obviously they won't be playing. So that's a thing. And also just about this Tiger Woods thing, just to put it in perspective. Like, okay, when Ali came back, Ali was in the prime of his career when when he was forced to hold out because of his battle with the United States government over him not going to war. And, and he missed three years of his prime because of those issues and, and his beliefs and his anti-war stance and all of that. But he he was in his he still was in his prime when he came back. Again, Tiger Woods forty six. He didn't have a a warm up fight. He didn't have a warm up tournament. He didn't replicate this level of competition. He came back to the Masters. He didn't come back to the, the Toledo Open. He came back to the Masters. Shot a one under today and is within shouting distance of the leader. And a lot of those championships that he won at the Masters, which is what five. Thursday is not has not been his best day. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. Let's see how he recovers from this long six miles of walking up and down the terrain of Augusta National. So uh, we'll have to see what he does tomorrow. But either way, I don't think he'll miss the cut. Let's hope he's healthy enough to come back and perform tomorrow. And then my weekend is, is shot because I'm watching the Masters. I'm talking about from the time he tees off 
until the time he shakes his caddy's hand at the end of the round. That's just what it is. So if I had plans with you, I apologize. Ain't happening. With that, let's shift gears and talk some swag football. Again, we're going to do a series of these conversations. Uh, I anticipate a visit with Eddie Robinson next week. We hope to get Bubba McDowell, uh, maybe Terry Sims from Bethune-Cookman, and then we'll check on some of the other coaches from around the swag to hear from them to get you kind of to, to sort of satisfy your appetite for football. We all miss football, and it's going to be a fantastic swag football season. And so we started with Texas Southern head coach Clarence McKinney. Here is that conversation. Joined here by Coach Clarence McKinney. Coach, you're in the midst of spring football. And before I ask you about the spring, you've had a little bit of time to reflect on last season. And I know that for the most part, coaches are forward thinking. But when you look back on this past season, what were your takeaways leading into this spring practice? Uh, I just felt like there were a lot of games where we had opportunities to win. And uh, we didn't close it. We didn't finish the finish the game at, like we should have. And so we're working on, on being better finishers. Well, you have a, a really young team, and that means a lot of participation this spring. So far, how have workouts gone for the team as you start to get prepared for the fall? Oh, really well. Um, like you said, we, we got quite a few guys back. One of the largest groups. If not the largest uh, I've had since I've been here for a spring football, we had about 90 players. And um, from winter conditioning to spring conditioning to spring ball, uh, the guys have been dialed in and really working hard and pushing each other to get better. I want to ask you about uh, specific groups. Uh, obviously, I want to start with the quarterback position. Andrew Body was amazing for a freshman last season. I mean, just what he was able to do. Uh, what sort of things, uh, what areas do you look for, uh, are you working on to make him better, even this, uh, even better this season? Well, as, as great of a season as he had as a freshman, it uh, could have been even better just from a, a decision-making standpoint. And uh, we're working on him making better decisions with the ball, taking care of the ball, and uh, just understanding what we're asking him to do and understanding our scheme a little bit better this year than what he did on last year. One of the strongest units on the team last season was the running back room. Uh, talk a little bit about those guys because you have a, all, just about all of those guys, with the exception of one or two guys that are back. Talk about that group if you could. Yeah, probably uh, our most uh, one of our most experienced groups, uh, Darius Owens, who's played since 2019. Uh, you got Ja'Cory Howard, the same. They they both came in the same time, and then uh, Dominique Franklin. And so there's a lot of experience with those three guys in the room, and then the uh, younger guys behind them are really talented, and they push those guys to be better. You lose a guy like Jonathan Giles in that receiving core, but, you, again, you have a lot of youth there. What do you think of the wide receivers so far? I know Jaron Johnson is a guy, uh, one of the many guys that made contributions as freshmen and, and underclassmen. Talk a little bit about that group. Yeah, very young group. Uh, like most of our team, you know, we played quite a bit of freshman last year, but Jaron Johnson is the leader of the group. Got a couple games under his belt in the spring of COVID, our COVID spring. 
Uh, and then he was a starter this year. He was an all-league player. And uh, he leads a young group of guys that are really talented. Uh, King Blanton is another one. Savion Sims. We, we just got a, a, a tremendous amount of talent at the position, but not enough experience. So uh, we're using this, this spring to get those guys a little bit more comfortable with what we're asking them to do. Well, you lose a lot of leadership on the defensive side of the ball. You lose a guy like Michael Badajo across the board. And every year this happens, who are some of the guys that you think will step up and be leaders on the field and in the locker room? Well, the two guys that return uh, defensively for us that, that are our leaders are D. Monterio Anderson, who's played quite a bit of ball since uh, we've been here, and then uh, Tariq Cooper who's our middle linebacker, and, and those guys work extremely hard. They understand their positions and their roles with the team, and they know what the expectation is. And They're bringing those younger guys. I mean, just like we're young on offense, we're young on defense. We've got a, a, a bunch of freshmen and sophomores that we're expecting to contribute that are really, really talented. They just lack experience, and it's up to our leaders to lead those guys to the promised land. Talk a little bit about the difference from a year ago in the spring to now. Obviously, you were playing games. So what was that like? Talk a little bit about that spring this year compared to last year. Well, you know, uh, spring a year ago, like you said, we were playing games, but we were dealing with the pandemic. There was still a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainties about COVID and, and how we were going to deal with it from a, a protocol standpoint. So now we have a little bit better understanding. We're not losing a lot of practice times due to guys missing because of COVID. A great majority of the team is vaccinated, fully vaccinated. And so uh, we're just out here each practice just trying to get better one day at a time. Coach, if you could talk a little bit about uh, some of the depth that you're trying to develop. Obviously, you got young, sort of backing up young. Uh, How do you find those leaders? How do you get those guys that are going to step up for you? You know, leadership shows its head. So when when guys are needing to be led, whoever the leader of that group is, that person tends to st- step up and stand out. Uh, right now, I would say our, our biggest leader is Andrew. And uh, he's done a great job of, of leading our guys out on the field, both offensively, defensively, special teams. He leads by example. He works hard. He does his job. And then guys respect him because they know he's a really good player. And so as far as leadership goes, those guys that are, that are natural born leaders, that they, they tend to, to rise above the rest. When you talk a little bit about dealing with the, the success Andrew Body had, how do you temper the, sort of that? You don't want him to be overconfident, but obviously you want him to understand that he can get it done. How do you navigate this uh, a level of success that he had that was really, really special in the entire conference, yet you don't want him to sort of think it's going to be that easy? How do you manage that? Well, you don't live in the past, and what happened last year is over. And so he's got he's to step up and do things to make us successful this season. And so uh, from a talent standpoint, we're not going to uh, handcuff him. Uh, we want him to go out there and, and be the player that he can be and um, be the player that we need him to be. But we also need him to go out there and, and protect the ball and um, make the plays that, that are needed to be made. 
So I want to ask you a little bit about some of the other things. Obviously, the SWAC continues. HBCUs continue to get a lot of attention. Obviously, a lot of new coaches added to the mix in the conference. Uh, what do you feel about – how do you feel about the entire conference and the direction the SWAC is going? I think the SWAC is, is going in the right direction. I think it's been going in the right direction with, with our leadership, uh, with universities hiring – uh, really good coaches and, and coaches going out and recruiting and competing against each other. I think uh, top to bottom, uh, the league is extremely balanced. And um, on any given Saturday, you know, a team can be beat. And I think that makes for a quality league. I want to ask you about some of the Tigers that uh, uh, won't be suiting up for you anymore, but they're Tigers forever. And when you talk about some of the energy behind a guy like Matt, Michael Badajo, maybe potentially getting drafted, there's some NFL interest in him and maybe a couple of other guys uh, from the 2021 team. What would that do for your program to get a couple of those guys making NFL rosters? Uh, it would do wonders for the program. We feel like those guys are really uh, good enough to play or uh, get an opportunity to play at the next level. Uh, he's done a really good job. Michael Badger has done a really good job of competing this offseason as far as playing in the All-Star game, playing against other HBCU players that are um, trying to get that one opportunity that they deserve. And so to have a guy like him or Jonathan Giles or Tim Walton who got drafted with the uh, USFL, and a few other guys, uh, Keelan Davis or Josh Murray, you know, we feel like our guys deserve the same opportunity that any other, the other guys uh, are getting. And so we wish them well. They've done a, a, a tremendous job of getting Texas Southern football on the right track. And um, we support those guys wholeheartedly. Have you heard from a lot of NFL uh, scouts and, and organizations about these guys? And what are those dis those discussions like? Uh, we, we hear from them, and, and those discussions are, are uh, private, but they ask uh, certain things that, you know, when they inquire about guys, they just want to know a little bit more about them. And so we do our best to market our guys uh, to those NFL teams. I want to ask you about the success of, of TSU basketball. Does that bleed over that enthusiasm around the campus? Does that help your program as you start to see a sort of a cross-support, people that support other teams come out and, and rally behind the, the football team as well? Is that something that's contagious around the campus? I just think winning is contagious. So uh, when, when you win, people want to be a part of it. And TSU basketball has done a tremendous job of, of gaining the support of our alums and our fans and our student body. And so uh, our guys see that, and, and they want the same support. So in order to get that support, we got to go out and win some games. And finally, Coach, of course, the spring game, the final uh, scrimmage is Friday night at 6 p.m. What do you say to the Tiger faithful uh, about coming out and supporting these young men this spring? Hey, these young guys have worked extremely hard to get to this point. And this will be a tremendous opportunity for Tiger Nation to come out and see what Tiger football is going to look like in 2022. Thanks so much for the time, Coach. I'm looking forward. I'm already excited because I think, like, I'm a part of the inner circle. So I see and I know what we have in store for the SWAC. So I can't wait. I'm really excited about the future of Tiger football, especially the immediate future. So continue success, and, and we'll talk to you prior to the season. We look forward to visiting with you again. Yes, sir. Thanks a bunch, and uh, go Tigers. 
To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Again, I want to thank Coach Clarence McKinney. Cannot wait for the TSU football season. I'm telling you, I'm telling y'all, this is a secret. Although a lot of folks are going to hear this. But this team is going to win a lot of games this season. They went through some growing pains. They missed some opportunities to win games they should have won. And they're only getting better. That running back core, Andrew Body, sky's the limit for this guy. Let's hope he continues to develop a lot of young talent wide out. Let's hope that the defense can step up and replace some very key parts uh, that have graduated and gone on. Also, we're going to keep an eye out on some of these Tigers who may have an opportunity to go pro. Jonathan Giles, Michael Badajo. We know about Tim Walton. So we'll have to see and follow those Tigers. Going to take one more time out here from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And after that, we'll hear from Terrence Harris from the Defender Network. And, of course, a member of the special teams unit. He's our guy, King T, on the other side. And then, of course, we have the Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. This is Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast Anywhere. You get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. back music from my resident dj dj anarchy and of course you can check him out on soundcloud and on ig on instagram and around town i need to get a list of his dates and places so i can put that out there so if you want to go hang with him it's a i'm telling you it's a vibe it's a cool thing to do he's a great great dj and he uh, has great energy around all the events he's involved with so you definitely want to do that um yeah if you have music you want heard on the podcast, just email us. Music wadeswordproductions.com. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. Genre doesn't matter. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an entire track at the end of the podcast. So make sure you do that. Want to get into our conversation? Want to bring in our guy, the Cleveland native from Shaker Heights, King T. Terrence Harris from the Defender Network. Of course, he's written for publications all over the country. He is a respected journalist, 
and he is also a respected member of the special teams unit. Here is King T. King T is back again for the new topic. Back from the special teams unit, our guy King T. How are you this afternoon? Ah oh, man, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. How you doing, bro? I'm doing great, man. Coming off of a a great NCAA championship game last night. Uh, what were your takeaways from last night? And uh, of course, uh, with Kansas defeating North Carolina in a, what was a zany game, it was crazy. Yeah, it really was. I mean, you know, and I, I mean, I was one of those people. You know, in the first half, I was super excited. I was thinking more in terms of the the, the historical perspective of this. More than anything, because I, I mean, I don't care much about. I mean, let's keep it real. Uh, North Carolina or or Kansas, to be honest with you, but I, you know, as as a journalist, as as, as a black man in America, you know, I, I appreciate the story and, and and the potential to have two African American coaches win national titles in the same year. Something that just ain't never been done. And so I was excited for it for that reason. But you know, you saw it in the second half. You saw what really happened. I mean, you know. North Carolina just ran out of gas, man. They they need more depth because those guys just they couldn't run no more. I mean, they were missing layups and and, and, and easy chip shots. And and that, that just showed you that they were tired. And you had the one guy at toward the end just basically collapse and throw up on the court. Yeah, that was Puff uh, you know, Johnson off tired. The I mean, they, they they were gassed playing that run, that run and gun deal. I mean, you know, whereas, you know, you got a, a program like Kansas. And they're, they're able to go 10, 10, 11 deep. And North Carolina couldn't really do that. And so in the end, it, you know, it, it, it caught up with them. But also people got to remember this too, man. A 15-point lead doesn't mean what it once did. I mean, teams shoot, the, they stroke the three way too too easily now. And that, and that Remy Martin kid, uh, man, he's phenomenal. Every time, I mean, I, you know, I, every time he shot the ball, I'm like, man, look at that odd. You know, he has a odd shooting stroke, but it kept going in. It, it, Kept going in, yeah, and that's the thing. So you know, and it's like it's like the Warriors. I mean, they they were overcoming twenty point leads like it was nothing in their day, and they still can do that because you got the three point ball has just changed the game. I mean, and, and and we saw that again last night. It was a game changer for for Kansas, and then you had North Carolina that just you know they ran out of they ran out of gas, man. Well, you know, I, I think Baycott, uh, his injury kind of caught up with him, and then he got yeah. hurt at the very end. He got hurt again, but I don't think he was himself. And even he, he didn't try to make an excuse, but he alluded to the fact that yeah, I couldn't push him. Talking about McCormack, uh, I couldn't push him around. I couldn't hold my ground. It was a struggle, and I think that was part of it. But I, the thing that I noticed is Carolina wasted a lot of possessions in the second half, taking bad shots and, and rushed shots. And part of that, of course, is. Kansas his defense but Hewitt Davis you know his team had just given up a 25 point lead to the Baylor Bears and you would think that okay we've been through this before let's not get ourselves I think uh, Davis missed a couple opportunities to to stop that run and call the timeout because they ran him down relatively quick yeah uh, how would you assess the entire tournament I thought it was fantastic man I mean I I loved it from the standpoint of I always love it when you can tell that the, the 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 selection committee didn't do a great job. And you had so many lower seeds that came in and, and won games and, and, and knocked off number ones. I mean, you know, I think we well, we went into maybe the Elite Eight with only one number one team, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So to me, that tells you that there were a lot of upsets this year. 
Um, and, and that's what I love. That's what this tournament is about. I mean, you know, I love seeing St. Peter's do what they did. You know, I, I want to see one of those programs one day really break it, break through to the final four. Though. And I'm, I mean, you know, and, and, and this happened, you know, before, but I, I want to see a team like a St. Peter's get there, you know, I, I and I think that's when this tournament is going to really live up to what it what it's really supposed to be. But I mean, I thought it was just some fantastic basketball. If you love basketball, even if you just kind of like basketball, it, it's nothing better. So now you're sitting around like this is over now. And now you everything know, but, is, is you you throw all of this in a sack, and then these players will scatter to programs from all over, and we'll have to no, learn new teams all over again with this transfer portal. Yeah, the twenty transfer portal and the one and done kids. I mean, you know, it's really hard to really get excited about basketball. But I think, but for us in Houston, the you know, next year should be fun. I mean, from from start to finish, because you know we get to you know watch all of these teams and, and, and try to figure out who's going to show up here in Houston next year. So um, you know, it's it should be pretty exciting for us. I, I, I would think that's kind of what my you know how I look at it through that lens of which of these teams might be making it to you know may make it all the way to Houston. You know, so that that part's exciting, but yeah, you know, that's just the the, the, the real downside of, of college basketball anymore is because of the transfer portal, because of the, the one and done guys. You know, it's just not the same. You can't really, you know, like start looking forward to next year's run yet because you don't really know who's going to be there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know? So you made yeah. a, a you alluded to to Houston, of course, hosting the Final Four next year. But how about the Houston teams and what they did in basketball this year? Uh, both Texas Southern and the University of Houston, uh, of course, uh, TSU winning the SWAC tournament, winning the first round game or the play in game. That was a uh, an exciting run for them. And then, of course, uh, U of H getting to the Elite Eight and and really, if they could have got anything going could have had an opportunity to uh, go to the Final Four after losing to Villanova. But what were your thoughts on the Houston teams uh, in their season? Well, I mean, I, I think you have two you know, you have two incredible coaches, man, leading these programs. And these are guys who won big games in other places. And so, you know, they, they really know how to prepare and gear a team towards that time of the year. And Kelvin Sampson, you know, when you look at that, that group of guys that he has and the injuries that he went through last year. So what he has coming back uh, this upcoming year. And I, you know, there's no reason to believe that the Cougs won't be right there again. I mean, and maybe making a run back into the final four, but then you, you look at a, a TSU and, and Johnny Jones. I mean, Johnny knows how to, you know, find guys that fit what he needs done and, and then coach them up. I mean, and so we've seen that time and time again. I mean, so, you know, you look, I don't know who else got has what coming back in the swag, but you'd have to think that they're going to be in a good spot as well because they don't lose that many kids because, you know, because of that extra year that so many people were getting. So um, they should be okay. I mean, they should they should be in position again to, to, to win the swag and maybe this time not have to go through the play-in game and just go to a first-round game and, and see where they're at. But at the same time, I mean, it's just you don't know um, – you know how that part plays out. You, you would love to see TSU not play the type of rigorous schedule that they play at the very beginning. 
which prevents them from coming in without that playoff game. I mean, they just, they get beat down. Well, I think about it in in a couple of different ways. In one way, it's a recruiting tool in that you know you'll play against the best teams and the best venues. Now we'll have a couple of those teams coming into the H&PE. And also, obviously, it's a a financial windfall. And then if you do beat a Florida, which, again, they beat the number 20 team in the country, then that does add to your resume. But I, I... I get the point because I think it's tough to come into. And I think that they compartmentalize the season in a way where they realize, hey, no matter almost what, no matter what happens in October, November, December is going to matter if you don't win your conference. So I think that they both, all the coaches that I know, you know, Coach Davis and of course, Coach Johnny Jones, they build up into conference play so they can be ready to try to make a run at a championship. And and it's been a successful formula for Texas Southern. But I know we got We've gotten through the appetizer. Let's get to the entree. You know why I have you on here. Go ahead, gloat, brag, say what you're gonna say about your Cleveland Browns, man. It's, it's your you got the floor, man. What are you saying about your Browns? Man, I'm not saying nothing till we show up in the Super Bowl next season. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you're not gonna say I ain't anything? You're not gonna get me to say anything inflammatory, you know, none of that stuff, man. I'm not talking about my Browns until we're in the Super Bowl. Season, you know? <laughs> well, I can't let you off the hook like that. <laughs> but no, but no, but, but come on, man. This was great. I mean, this was this was a, a fantastic move. Uh this was a shrewd move. This was the, the, the definition of go, taking it up strong. I mean, you know, don't 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 sit there and bat the ball around. I mean, you know, if this is the guy you want, this is the guy you feel you you can build your franchise around. Go get him. He comes with some baggage. <laughs> Let me ask you, you know, about the, I mean, the Cleveland like, fan I, I base. The baggage, I think the baggage is ridiculous in a lot of ways. I mean, and I and I, and I, and I don't ever want to. I don't want to come across as undermining or or, or or you know being dismissive. Uh, but you know, my my thing is, is that you know, you had two grand juries look at nearly half of these cases and not see or feel like any of those situations rose to the level of you know sexual assault or anything like that. And I feel like they put a lot of time into that trying to figure it out. And so I, I just feel like here's a guy, he needs to deal with these situations. Uh, you know, you, nobody knows really what went on in, in those rooms, but him and those women. But, you know, you know, I think a lot of us spend enough time around Deshaun to feel like, you know, hey, here's a guy who seems to have enough good in his makeup that, you know, whatever mistakes he made, he can overcome them, he can learn from them, and perhaps, you know, he can help other people grow as well. And so that's what you hope on. You hope that he's allowed to continue to have his career without it being continuously brought up uh, and, and dealt with. I mean, you know. How do you think to, Cleveland's going to deal with it? I mean, the fan well, base. Not, not, well, so far, I've been very disappointed uh, in my city. And I and I honestly, I mean, I hate to just put it out there, but I'll say it. It's the white folks, man. I mean, they have really, and once again, just kind of shown a, a side of themselves that, that you know, just kind of make you understand. Because now all of a sudden, it's like they don't want him. But and Baker was, was the greatest. And these were the same main people who wanted Baker out of town. And now you got that, but, you know, everybody's mad. People are mad about his money. People are mad about the allegations and what those may mean. You know, you got people talking about they're giving away their season tickets and, and things of that nature, which I doubt that's going to really happen. But, you know, because trust me, it's, it's a line of folks waiting. 
Well, and I sure. would imagine uh, if they get a couple wins in September, a lot of that will go away. Uh, yeah. A lot of the criticism. What about from the, the women's groups, any of those things? Have you heard any yeah, of that you, yet? Yeah, you, 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 you hear a lot of negative stuff. I mean, you know, but once again, I mean, I think that, you know, you got to look and, and say, hey, you know, the judicial system took a look at this and they said that not only did they say he, he well, that there wasn't enough here to even bring charges, that should mean something. So let that me, should mean something. Let me ask you, you know, this about on the field. How many games do you forecast, in your opinion, uh, will he be suspended? Because it seems to be a consensus that he's going to get suspended. Yeah, I mean, he, he's probably going to face some type of suspension. I think the Browns are, are bracing for that. They've prepared for it. They went and got Jacoby Brissett, who's won a whole lot of games in the NFL, and so he's he's definitely a very capable backup, um, and, and, and he's someone who can – function in a similar system as the one you would probably build around Deshaun Watson. So I think they, they're preparing for that. I've heard it could be, you know, as, as many as six games, but we'll see. I mean, we, we don't know because, I mean, you know, the thing, once again, you have to say to Roger Goodell is, look here, the judicial system spoke and said, hey, there, there wasn't anything to this. You know, he didn't go on trial. He didn't go on a criminal trial. And anybody and everybody can bring a criminal case or a civil case against you. Uh, you know, do they really want to show up in court? Is that really what's, what's going to happen? Or is this more posturing than anything by Tony Busby and in, in, in this, this scenario that he seems to have, you know, spearheaded? You don't know. You don't really know what's about to happen. On one hand, I think, you know, you'd like to see Deshaun perhaps settle these cases and move on with his life. You know, he was there. And if he if he did anything that, that rose to the level of, being a problem, I mean, it would be wise for him to go ahead and get this stuff taken care of and sealed where, you know, nobody's talking. But it doesn't seem like that's the, the direction he wants to go. He wants to clear his name. And so, I mean, that's, you know, that's going to take a little bit of time. And so who knows? The NFL may not do anything until he's done with those civil cases because they don't want to do anything that could compromise or, or make him look guilty to a jury that's supposed to be of his peers. Well, it's a very complicated case um, as far as all of that goes. I mean, I concur with you. There's no criminal behavior there. But does it rise to the level of him having to – I mean, because, again, the, the burden of proof shifts in a, a civil trial. So we'll have to see what happens. But I know he's doing a ton of depositions. I saw at least one uh, leaked uh, portion of a deposition. But let me ask you this about uh, Cleveland. Baker Mayfield, what do you do with him? Is he? You, do you have to cut him? What are you doing with him? Well, no, you you, you don't cut him uh, because you hope that you can you know you can make a trade a trade for him and and get him off the books. I mean, you know, it's only you know it's only eighteen eighteen million dollars for a quarterback, a young quarterback who has won a lot of games. Okay, he didn't have he's not coming off the best season, but the season before that. Won a bunch of games, took his team to the playoffs, won a game in the playoffs, had a chance to, you know, to win a second. You look at him and you say, I mean, you would think the A-team, that's an easy get. Uh, so far, I think teams have have, have kind of balked at that because they believe that the, that the Browns will eventually just cut him. I don't know that they can necessarily do that because of how that might affect things. The but salary They end up having to eat that salary. Um, mm -hmm. And they'd love to move it. So, um, you know, you, you don't know how that part's going to play out yet. But uh, I, I, I look at a team like Seattle, and I'm just wondering, like, what's taking y'all so long? This guy, he would be probably ideal 
for what they want to do up in Seattle. And I think I still believe in Baker. I think Baker can win. I, I, I'm pulling for him in, in a lot of ways. I hope he grows up. I, for one, I was never one of those people that looked at Baker and thought he was a bum and couldn't win in Cleveland. I thought he could win in Cleveland until it just cleared that you, know, you, you had a chance to upgrade the position. And it's like with any good business, if you have a chance to improve a role or a position, you, you should do it. And so that's what the Cleveland Browns did. But, I mean, I think Baker's going to win in this league. Well, I, I tell you what, uh, when you look at the situation, I kind of blame Odell Beckham for the extra Baker Mayfield hate because what he was able to do in his short time uh, for the Rams, people looked like, well, why didn't, why couldn't Baker make that happen? So, you know, from that standpoint. But, but guess what? <laughs> guess, guess what? Guess what? Odell, o- Odell and him, well, I think Odell did find a team, I think, a couple of days ago, but they both were looking for a minute, you know. Because the Rams didn't keep him. Well, like I said, I I, I know they had initially kind of expressed interest in wanting to bring him back, but it's going to be a while before he gets back on the field. And, yeah, anyway. and I, yeah, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm glad Cleveland didn't didn't fall for that. I mean, we we've already paid that guy enough money not to play to <laughs> to, 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 to take him on again. So I was glad that the Browns didn't fall for that one. Hey, man, well, I know you got to go. You have something you have to take care of. But how can folks reach you on social media? Man, come check me out at Terrence Harris on, on, on Twitter. Say what's up. Say hello. You know, follow me for sure. You know, and, and let us, you know, I, I try to keep it going on, on on what's going on in Houston, you know, what's going on around the country. So just, you know, come in and check me out. Hey, man, we look forward to visiting with you again and more Browns talk, and then we'll get into some some Texans talk and some of the other things that are going on around the NFL. Plenty to talk that about. That sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Thanks to Terrence. As always, always appreciate his take and his Cleveland perspective and his Cleveland bias is a whole lot of fun. So certainly appreciate that. But now it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck. But I hope your ship sinks with no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around, usually in or around the world of sports, that we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Now, this is a sort of a morbid Lamont Award because of the circumstances around the event. Okay, now... You got to ride with me on this one. And maybe some of you have heard this, but if you haven't just hold on, you are in for a ride. Now we all have customs, things that we do in our culture and in our country and our subcultures, you know, when it comes to dealing with death and the deceased. So this story comes from a Yahoo article, and I'm sure folks from all over have written about this. But here's the headline. The embalmed body of dead rapper propped up at a D.C. nightclub. You heard right. The embalmed body of a dead rapper propped up at a D.C. nightclub. Now, this is sad because somebody lost their life. But it's not about him. He's where he is. Whatever your beliefs are, he's there. So it's not about him and the tragedy surrounding his death. But rapper Gunu, 24, was shot in a parking lot in Prince George's County, Maryland, on March 18th and died several hours later at an area hospital. And his family believes he was a victim of armed robbery, which gun violence 
is tragic. But what happened on Sunday was Gunu's family and friends held a celebratory event at Washington, D.C.'s Bliss Nightclub, which was billed as the rapper's final show. And at this show, they brought his embalmed body, not in a casket. They propped him up. Have you seen the movie Weekend at Bernie's where they go around all weekend with this dead body for comedic effect? It's a, it's a yuck, yuck, ha, ha, ha. It's a, it's a well-known comedy. This was not a comedy. This was not cool at all. They had this young man's body propped up in the, the audience. I mean, I'm talking about hundreds of people in this club. Because there's a video online. I don't necessarily suggest you look that up unless you just really want to look that up. But they are singing an Isley Brothers song to this dude or to his corpse. And again, I stress his corpse. Now, the nightclub says they didn't know that this was going to happen. I don't believe that. You build it as his, as his final show. Somebody along the way, how did he get through the check-in at the front door? They knew that this was going to happen. I'm not judging anybody's customs or whatever but this is a damn shame and to whomever including the nightclub managers and the family members who who got involved in this it's sad but you guys are all big dummies you big dummy This was unusual. This is not something that is, this is mind blowing. This is mind boggling that they, I mean, think about the health concerns. I mean, I I don't know what to say about this. Tell me what you think. 832-941-6614. I don't know what to do with that. I have nothing to say about that other than that was a bad decision. I don't know. If you want to do that, do like a video tribute to him. or something. You don't bring. Who who carried the body? I, I, what is this? My mind is blown. It's unbelievable. You don't do that. You do not bring a dead body to a nightclub. You just don't. Rest in peace to that young man. So sorry to hear about his passing. That is a different story unto itself. But come on, man. Really? We are really taking this guy, and they're singing to him like this is normal. This is not normal. But I tell you what, this is normal. Before I let go. Before I let go, go, hey, I want to thank Terrence Harris. want to thank Coach Clarence McKinney. want to thank DJ Anarchy, our sponsors, Cobank Homes and Brighter Brains. want to thank you guys. want to remind you to give us a call on the sports line, 832-941-6614. In addition to that, you can tweet me at Wade's Word. And please become a member of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group on Facebook and like the fan page. Wherever you listen to the podcast, please rate it, comment on it, share it, tell a friend, all that good stuff. And if you can't remember anything else, please remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, You can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.